Parshas Kitetze. In the Torah we read about the many functions of a base din of the Am Yisrael. But of the functions, the most fundamental one is taught to us in Parshas Kitetze. V'itzidichu et ha-tzadik v'hirshihu et ha-rasha. And they should justify the just and condemn the wicked. That's the general function of the place of judgment, where the Torah Dayanim are sitting to consider the deeds of men. They are obligated to declare the righteousness of the tzaddik, the one who is in the right according to the Torah, and to condemn the rasha, the one who is in the wrong. Of course, by condemning the rasha, you are, you are already justifying the tzaddik. But according to the Seder of the words of this Pasuk, number one on the agenda is, V'itzdiku et tzaddik They must make the tzaddik righteous. They have to encourage him and say to him, You're in the right, and we're happy to see you win. Keep it up. You should succeed in your ways. And they should speak good about him. But V'itzdiku et tzaddik means much more than merely protecting the tzaddik from his accusers in Beisdim. Because included in these words is a general intention for all of us. If somebody is a tzaddik, it's important to let the world know about it. It's necessary to praise him and to cause him to find favor in the eyes of people. One of our, function, one, one of our functions in this world is to declare the righteousness of the tzaddik, to praise the tzaddik whenever you can. And that means that these words in our parsha and they should justify the just and condemn the wicked, are a model for everyone to follow. It's a way of life. It's the function of the Am Yisrael to elevate the righteous man in the eyes of the world. And not, on, not only is it your obligation, but it's your perfection. That's what it says. Imru tzadik ki tov, Yishaya. Now you might think that the Navi here is telling you to imru, to say about the righteous person, Kitov, that he is good. And while that's true, you should speak well about the tzaddik, but the Pasuk is saying much more than that. Because Imru doesn't mean to say a tzaddik is good. It means to raise up on high and to elevate the tzaddik. Like in the words, Berosh Amir. Omir means the top of the tree. So Imru tzaddik means raise up on high the tzaddik, praise him up to the sky. And why do we do that? Kitov, because that's what is good. It's a very good thing to do. Not only is the tzaddik good, but you are doing good. You become better by speaking his praises. It's one of our most important functions in the world. Our job in life is to uphold, to raise up the good. Not just to say that tzaddik is not a rasha. That's nothing yet. We have to talk about how great the tzaddik is. If somebody is a tzaddik, it's important to let the world know about it. It's necessary to praise him and cause him to find favor in the eyes of people. You know, that in the days of the Bais Sheni, they didn't have any Ruach Nevuah anymore. The gift of prophecy was taken away from us at that time. But our nation still had the privilege of a baskol, a voice from heaven. There were times when a prophetic voice came forth. It wasn't a prophecy, but it wasn't just Ruach HaKodesh either. It was a minor form of Nevuah. And from time to time, at very rare intervals, a baskol would come forth from the heavens. The Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us two instances of such an event. 
One was when the, when the Chachamim were seated together. When suddenly they heard a voice speaking, Sitting among you, there is one who is fit to receive the spirit of Nevoah. There's an individual here that is worthy of me speaking through his mouth. So they looked around at each other. They understood that it was a hint, Mina Shamayim, that they look. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made that basko. So they looked around and they decided that it was Hillel. He was the one. Another story, very similar. The Gemara tells that a different time, years later, when they were sitting together, a voice came from the heavens and, it, and again pointed out that there was someone among them who had achieved a very high level of perfection in Avodah Sashem. A man of such sidkus that he was fit to be a Navi. Who was it? It was Shmuel HaKatan, a humble Talmud Chacham, one of the great men of the yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. They knew about Shmuel HaKatan, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to know more, and so he sent a basko. Now these are remarkable statements, for that it was necessary for a basko to be heard. After all, a basko didn't happen every day, not even every year. It was a rare event in our history. So why did this occasion merit that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should let such a voice be heard? When the Sanhedrin the chief dignitaries of the nation are visited by a basko. It should be something of the utmost importance. If it had come to tell them to beware of war that is coming, or that the nation must better their ways and to do teshuva before catastrophe strikes, those things, such important national events, would have justified a basko speaking to people. But what was the great necessity, the urgency for the basko, to commend, merely, to, to commend, merely say, among you, the, among you, there are men who deserved to be Nevi'im. Had they lived during the era of the Nevi'im, it seems like this is the wrong use for a Basco. And not only that, it was superfluous. They knew that Hillel was a great man. They had already appointed him as the Nasi. They recognized his excellence. They knew about the greatness of Shmuel Akatan. He was one of them. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, it's not enough. It's not enough to just know. Like you know that President Bush is the president. You also know that Hillel is a tzaddik? No, that's not knowing. So Hashem sent a message, Mina Shamaim. A great demonstration was made to let the nation know that they don't recognize him enough. You don't really know who he is. This Hillel whom you honor, whom you made your leader, is much more important much greater than you ever imagined. Shmuel HaKatan, the humble Talmud Chacham, who sits in the back, he's the best, a tzaddik, a chosid. The Baskol was an impressive demonstration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being matzik, the tzaddik. We learn from this story how essential it is to raise the stature of tzaddikim among the Am Yisrael. Aggrandizing the tzaddik is important enough that it's worthy of a baskal just to make us aware of the exceptional greatness of Sidkus in this world. Now you have to know that just like it wasn't easy for the generation to recognize the elevated status of Hillel and Shmuel, it's also not always easy to recognize a tzaddik altogether. Many times there are great tzaddikim who are unknown. The Mesilas Yishodim says in his preface a remarkable statement. The true Hasidus that is desired by HaKadosh Baruch Hu it's far from any picture we have in our mind. You hear that? A real chassid, a man whose piety and devotion is desired by Hashem, is something that is far from what we imagine. It might be somebody 
that it'll give us, a, it might be somebody that it'll give us a big surprise to discover that he is the one. Like this. You might have said that a tzaddik is someone who shakes during Shmona Esrei. Maybe a tzaddik is someone who has a big bushy beard and big bushy payas. There's nothing wrong with these things. It's beautiful. But people who think that this is it, it's this that makes him a tzaddik. But suppose you'll find, however, that a baskal will appear and announce that a tzaddik is someone who walks in the street and kicks banana peels off the sidewalk into the gutter. That's a tzaddik. That's something new. That's also a tzidkus that has to be acclaimed and glorified. The Gemara says a story about a chosid. What did he do? It says he was removing stones from the street. That's how the Gemara praises him. So we see that's what a chosid does. Now, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't sit and learn all the time. Certainly, someone who learns all the time is a chosid. But we have to be matzik, matzik, all the tzaddikim of Amisrael. Here's a man I know him well. When it's slippery outside, so he has a little bag in his pocket. He walks down the block and puts his hand in the bag and he scatters ashes or sawdust so that people shouldn't slip. That's a tzaddik. Not only on his own sidewalk, on slippery sidewalks, on the public sidewalks. It's the Baskol. If the Baskol would come tell you that this man is a chosid, it would open up your eyes. We would learn now the definition of, chos- of a chosid. It's someone who is concerned about the welfare of the Am Yisrael. It's a from Jewish neighborhood. And someone might go to the hospital as a result of a slippery sidewalk. And this person is concerned about that. There was an Abshlomo Feldman, a man who used to come here. He was Moichir Seforim. You would have imagined he was a regular fellow. But he was no ordinary person. Every Cholamoid, when the Chadorim were closed, he brought together hundreds of boys and he taught them. He gave them prizes and they learned with him. And he did things like that constantly. He was a tzaddik. But I'm sure that people didn't appreciate how great he was and how great was his Sidkas. Not long ago, there was a tzaddik of Asher Zimmerman, Zechat Tzaddik Livrocha. He didn't look like a tzaddik. He looked like a plain man. But I knew him personally. I knew him for at least 50 years. This man never spoke Lashon Hara. Not even the smallest reyach of Lashon Hara. He was a man who could answer any question in Halach Lamaisa. And people called him up all the time and he was always willing to answer anyone. There's no question that he wasn't appreciated enough. Because when we know of a tzaddik, we should prize him more than we prize our own property. And we should make known to each other what we have. Now, while we're on the subject of, while we're on the subject of tzaddikim, you must know that it's not only men, it may be a chiddish to you, but there are many women tzaddikim too. I can point out one or two without hesitation. Rebison Kaplan, who, was, who founded the first girls, girls seminary. No question she was a tzaddikis. She taught thousands of girls to build idealistic Torah homes and to have big families. She raised up doiris, not only of teachers, but of balabastas, who brought up from families of B'nai Toida. No question that she's among tzaddikim. Rav Aaron Cutler said that without her, the koilalim couldn't exist in America. She prepared girls who wanted to marry Koilel boys. But not only that, as a private woman in her own humble home, she was a tzaddikis. She had 14 children of her own, and we should point that out. 
We should talk about it as much as possible. There are thousands of from mothers and fathers who are sacrificing to raise large families. And they're not raising Italian families or Irish families. They're being Moiser Nefesh to build Torah families. They're raising Sadiqim and Sidkanius in their homes. And our very important function is to always be singing their praises. It's the principle in our parsha of Vehitztiku et HaTzadik. We have to raise up the banner of the Sadiqim as much as we can. You know that up until recently, when the communists were still in charge of Russia, so the Russians worked very hard to influence American public opinion. They had thousands of agents in the United States, people all over the country who had only one job. They wandered around. They made their way into newspaper offices, into the offices of politicians. They put themselves everywhere. And whenever they had a chance, they said something positive about communism or the Soviet Union or something bad about America, something bad about standing strong against communism. Now, you wouldn't know they were agents. You didn't know that they were propagandists. But at every opportunity they got in... They got in a few words to praise communism, to speak, against, uh, to, to speak against President Reagan, to knock the American government, to talk about nuclear, uh, nuclear arms. They were infiltrating society everywhere, private life, public life, the newspapers, businesses, thousands and thousands of agents. And they had one purpose, to praise what the Kremlin wanted them to praise wanted them to praise, to work on behalf of the communist government and justify everything that they did. Now, what we have to realize is that this is a muscle for our function in this world. But Lahavdil, instead of being agents of disinformation, we are the shluchim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the agents of the truth. Rabbeinu Yonah tells us this in his Sharei Tshuva. If you look there, you'll see that he says every person has to be a shaliach neeman for his creator. We are Hashem's agents. And our job, therefore, is to spend our lives talking in Shevach of Avoidus Hashem and in Shevach of the Oivde Hashem. That's our job to speak of, to be propagandists, propagandists for all the Torah people and all the Torah ideals. You have to speak up in praise of the places of Avoidus Hashem, of the yeshivas and the koilim. Say good things about Beis Yaakov and the Bate Kinesius. Let's say you go to a certain Frum Shtibel and you see many Frum Jews, Kain Yerbu. So when you come back home, make sure to speak in praise of what you saw to your family, to your friends. I'm this poil, you, you'll say. It's so wonderful there. Their behavior, their avoid the Hashem, these palus in the davening, and they're so friendly. Speak to, the, speak to the sky about all the good things in the Am Yisrael. And when you visit another shul, make sure to come home and aggrandize that shul as well. You can find things to say. You can't imagine how much tzedakah they give away in that shul. They give charity like nobody's business. Whatever it is, make sure to be matzik the tzaddik, the tzedek. Think beforehand. Every time you sit down before, for a meal with your family is a remarkable opportunity. You can speak about the greatness of the Am Yisrael in so many different ways. You have to be a salesman to sell the Torah ideals to the world. Always say a good word about the Torah, about Sadiqim, about from families. I'm not talking about now speaking to irreligious Jews. The from Jews have to hear it. They're the ones who have to hear these words. And what about yourself? You have to hear it too. After all, it's yourself who's most important. And when you speak up, you're talking to yourself. You're hearing this, but I know you won't do it. 
So I'll repeat it. Means that you have to open your mouth and speak highly of all the good things in this world. That's what the Shari Tshuva says. When you're standing among the people, you should plan your words with wisdom and carefully prepare what will come out of your mouth to speak words of praise about his servants and those who fear him. You can't just show up at the Shabbos table and hope that the right things come to your mouth. You have to prepare, prepare beforehand. Now, when we talk about the tzaddik, when we talk about the tzaddikis, or the tzaddik, it's not sufficient to say, to say, this man is a tzaddik. It's not enough to say that this in this practice, or this derech in life is tzaddik. Your words have to be planned out, thought out with wisdom. When somebody went, let's say, to Eretz Yisrael, to some famous tzaddik, and he comes back, so there's no harm if he tells you, if he tells how righteous he is, how he's medakdek kechut hasara in every halacha and, every, and, in, and even in every minhag, no harm. But if you want to be a good propagandist, you'll also speak how pleasant the tzaddik was, how handsome his face was when he was talking, what beautiful eyes the tzaddik has, what a beautiful white beard flowed down over his garments. You can even say that he was wearing beautiful silken garments, a beautiful bekecha. Oh, it's a beauty to look at him, you say. It's like seeing the coin gadol. By speaking the right words, you're being matzik the tzaddik. You're creating a good impression of the good people and the good things in this world. You know who taught us that? David HaMelech. When the, when the Moshoyed wanted to sing the praises of Yerushalayim, so he said, Yefenof, what a beautiful neighborhood it is. He praised the trees around Yerushalayim, the fields, how fragrant it was, the rayach of the fields around Yerushalayim. It's a joy to go there. Now who cares about that? Let's say Yerushalayim was in the slums. It was surrounded by desolation, a wilderness. Who cares? Yerushalayim is such an important center of Kedusha. Should we pay attention to such superficial things like appearances? And the answer is, absolutely. It's our job to elevate the righteous people, the righteous ideals, and even the righteous places as much as we can. That's how we propagandize for Hashem. So when you come home from the yeshiva, and you have to describe it to your parents, don't merely say that the Rosh Yeshiva says a good shiur with a lot of lundus. Don't only say that the B'nai Yeshiva are all shakdonim who study Torah diligently. You can say that too. But there's no harm if you propagandize a bit as well. Come back and say, the Yeshiva is so clean. And all the Sephardim are in the right place. It's a beautiful base medrash. It's so nice and clean and everything is in order. The more good things you can say about the Rebbeim, about the Rosh Yeshiva, about the Koilel, the more mitzvah you're getting. Aren't the wicked doing just the opposite? The wicked are giving every desirable adjective to every wicked thing and making it beloved by the multitude. And the whole world is being misled. The most ugly things are described today in the most glowing terms. So why don't we fight back and describe the beautiful things, the holy things in the most glowing terms? We have to be propagandists for everything good in this world. That's the function of Yitztiku et HaSadik, of justifying the good things in this world. Imru Tzadik, do whatever you can to elevate the Tzadik. Kitov, because that is a good thing for you to do in your lifetime. To raise the prestige of the good things, 
the things that Hashem considers good. Now, this brings us to another side of this big subject. Because the second half of that Pasuk is also very important. And they should condemn the Rasha. At the same time that we live our lives fulfilling the function of justifying the just, we must remember that part of the Avoidus Hashem is also the Am Yisrael must condemn the wicked. And that means we can't yield. When it comes to declaring who is the wrong man and what are the wrong ideals, the Am Yisrael must speak up clearly and point to the wrong and say, that is wickedness. Now before we continue, I need to stress something so that we shouldn't make any error. It's of the utmost importance that we understand. We speak now about making judgments and condemning the wicked. It means those that have forsaken the Derech HaToyda. A from Jew is not a Rasha. And even though he happens to be your competitor in business, or he follows another Rabbi who may be in competition with yours, or maybe he even wronged you in some way, that means nothing. If there's a dispute between you and him, that's for based into the side. But he's not a Rasha. Now let's first clear the decks for action. First of all, we understand that compassion is one thing, and Vehirshu et Arasha is another thing. Certainly we have, to, we have compassion on Arasha. If he had a better upbringing, if he had been born in a better family or in a better neighborhood, it could be he would have been good, maybe even better than us. We're not saying that he never would have been good, but we have to condemn him as is because any weakness in our attitude towards wickedness is a weakness in our attitudes towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We must understand that in the Torah, there is a white district and a black district. It's not gray. There's a line between Tzedek and Rasha. And when someone forsakes the Derech HaTorah, the Torah truth, so he's already on the wrong side. It could be in other things, he's good. But wickedness must be condemned. Now, in this age of liberalism, it's something that people are afraid to say. It's not stylish today to condemn anybody, to speak up for the Torah truth. Everybody is impressed by the idea of saying nice words about people. It's becoming the style to be a liberal, the criminals to the criminals, to be a liberal to the criminals, to be a liberal to all the wrongdoers, and to not speak up against them. That's why capital punishment is considered a wicked thing today. It's not liberal enough. We have to be easy on the criminals. And so, whenever they're putting the death to death, a murderer in Florida or in Louisiana, so from all over the world come telegrams from the liberals protesting and asking in the name of compassion to have pity on the murderer. But we have no pity for a murderer. His victim should lie in the ground while he can still bum around in jail. He should eat and drink and breathe. The electric chairs should be working day and night. There are so many customers that deserve it. No question about it. And instead, he's watching television in the prison too. The liberals are using your hard-earned money to buy color televisions for murderers. And sometimes he doesn't go to jail either. Like what happened when a 22-year-old Shagitz took a hammer and smashed the head of a 17-year-old Jewish boy. So the wicked Gentile judge said, the courtroom is no place for revenge. They wouldn't consider it murder. They called it criminal negligence. Negligence. He was just careless. He just wanted to give him a bang on the head with the metal hammer. But it so happened that he murdered him. So the judge gave him five years probation. 
That means for five years, he comes once a month to the police station and shows his face to the officer. Hi, Jerry, I'm here. And the officer writes it down. He's checked in. And if once in a while he doesn't show up, that's also okay. That's called condemning the wicked. The courtroom should be a place for revenge. Forget about the evil attitude of coddling the wrongdoers. The judge has to represent the conscience of the people. He should be boiling up with indignation. And if he isn't, then he should be so incensed, so taken up with the injustice, that we should feel indignation against the judge. That's how we should be. Of course, we know that liberalism is all a fake. It's hypocrisy. Because the liberals are not, only, not always speaking kind words. The liberals condemn with venom and hatred anyone who opposes them. And what that means is that they function in direct, in direct con- contra- contradiction to our Pasuk. They spend their lives condemning the good ones and justifying the wicked. But we are not liberal. We speak up and condemn whatever is wicked. And the same thing is, we should be angry against atheists, the materialists. Don't think that we're compassionate people, broad-minded and and ecumenical, and ecumenical. We have to understand everybody's viewpoint. We don't understand any viewpoint that stands in contradiction to the Torah. We know it's false and we condemn it. And therefore we have a right and a duty to expose them for what they are. We must speak up against all the evil ones of the world. Now, we can't go out in the streets and protest. And even if we would write letters to the New York Times, they won't print them. This I know from experience. But at least among ourselves, we shouldn't give any credit to the evolutionists or the liberals for having good intentions. They are and open liars. They are enemies of the truth. And we have to realize this ourselves first. And then we teach it to our children and our people. Now, this subject, however, is not limited to individuals because the issue at Arasha means that we condemn not only the Rasha, the wicked person, but the Resha, the wicked ideals. It means that there's a certain obligation to condemn the way of life that is wicked. Now, the Devim, you have to know, all spoke Lush and Nikia. They were very delicate in their language. Never do you find a description in the whole Torah of a man doing his needs in the bathroom. It's not described. But then we find a surprise. Yeshaya Hanavi says, Karab Bel, the Baal is kneeling. That's their Avoid It means he's crouching to perform his needs. Yeshaya is making a joke of the idols. He's saying that the idol is struggling to move his bowels. Koires Nevo. Nevo is down on his knees. And lo yachlu malet, masa. He can't get rid of the load. Yeshaya Novi is telling us that the idol can't get rid of the load. He's very constipated. The poor Avoidazara with the big belly is constipated. He can't get rid of that load that he has. Now that's a queer thing for a Novi to say. It's Litsanus. He shouldn't talk that way. After all, a Novi is Kaidish Kadoshim. His mouth is holy. And the answer is. That when it, comes, when it comes to degrading the wicked, it's considered kedusha. That's what a mouth is for. It's considered a virtuous thing to disparage the wicked ideals. That's what the Gemara says on that Pasuk. It says there that, Kol sanuta asida. You shouldn't disparage things. It's wrong to be a late. However, the Gemara says, 
we see from Yeshaya Hanavi that when it comes to Litzonis of Avaidah Zorah, it's a mitzvah. All Litzonis is Aser, except Litzonis of Avaidah Zorah. And not only is it permitted, says the Gemara, it's a mitzvah. A mitzvah! And that means that we shouldn't pull any punches. It means that we don't have any respect for the religions of the world. Of course, you have to be careful not to hurt the feelings of the Goyim because of Dark Shalom. But among ourselves, we should know it's Hevel Varik. It's all Sheker because of. And we should say it. All the religions of the world are nothing but lies. And you should never lose sight of that. There's not even an, an iota of MS there. Whatever MS they use is only in order to give them some credence to their Sheker. But it's altogether Kuloi Sheker from beginning to end. At least among ourselves, we have to speak up and proclaim the Sheker of a Kazov. Not only Avoy Dezara, not just the false religions, all of their false ideals, all of their ideals are worthy of Litsanus and degradation. If they are Toeva people, we must speak against them with the worst possible words. You know, even those who oppose Toeva. So first, they give a little preface. I have nothing against them personally, but no, no buts. You hate them. You abominate them. You're going to love a Toeva person? Do you love a dangerous snake? I have nothing against you, Mr. Snake, but no. We hate dangerous snakes, especially if the snake is headed for your child. You hate him a hundred times over, and that's their doing today. Don't think otherwise. They're headed for your children, and you want to love them? You want to love a snake? I don't understand that. You despise him. And don't think that we're being selfish or we're being limited in our outlook. We have to know we are the ones who are broad-minded. We are broad-minded enough not to be influenced by the fads of the day. We're proud to be closed-minded. You know, if your mind is closed and it's open only to the subject of Hashem, that's the most open mind you can have. But if your mind is open to say anything at all, if it's let's if it's if it's if it lets everything in, then it's the most closed mind there is because everything settles in your thoughts. And what is the result? All kinds of sewage collect in your head and your mind becomes just a garbage disposal. That's all. An open mind is a mind of sewage. And even among ourselves, among the good ones, we have to say it like it is. Foolishness has to be called foolishness. We want, we won't know, we want to know, we won't. We won't know to those who want us to keep quiet. We won't kowtow. To those who want us to keep quiet, we tell the world how silly it is to go bowling. What do you need bowling for? Cholamoid, he goes bowling. What is he doing it for? Who does? He, what does he get out of it? He goes and he bowls and he calls it simcha yomtov. Of course, people will criticize you for saying such things. They'll call you close-minded. They always do. You have to expect that when you speak up for the truth, and that's why Kohelet, Repeated himself over and over again. It's Hevel. It's all emptiness and more emptiness. The question arises, how many times should it say the same thing? And he repeats it constantly in that Sefer. And the answer is that it's a very important function and there's never enough. You must constantly warn yourself and your children against all the foolishness of Eilam Hazeh.
What is sports? It's so silly. The Yanks and the Mets hitting the baseball. It's so meshuggah. It's an American Goyesha meshuggah novelt. It's headlines. Yanks, Mets. It's so silly. Here's a boy strutting down the street in a lacrosse uniform. Did you ever see a lacrosse uniform? You don't know what it is. It's a game that high schools and colleges play. So he's strutting down the street in his uniform, all covered with helmets and padded things all over him. And he walks down the street like a hero. He has a halo of sanctity around him. That's what they think. They think that sports is something noble. So this garbage we have to get out of our heads. There is nothing noble about holding a stick and smacking a baseball. There's nothing noble about it at all. And v'hirshiru v'hirshiu etarasha means that we have to speak up about all the hevel in this world. When the goyim talk about art, you have to downplay it. Art is nothing but foolishness. Now some people will feel that it's wrong to say such a thing. Art is nothing. They bridle when they hear such apikorsus. But I'm an, apikor- I'm an apikorus when it comes to art. There's nothing to painting at all. A good photograph is better than any painting. Of course, I know it's not easy to say such things. Because all around you, even the firm world has already been flavored by the umasailam. And when people become accustomed to bad smells, they begin to think it's normal. And so that's our job. If you're going to say that art is an ideal, then we'll laugh at it. We'll condemn such foolishness. Art smart. It means nothing to us. Here's a fellow who goes to Paris to study art, and he settles on the left bank, whatever they call it over there. He lives in a cockroach-infested apartment, a studio. He calls it in order to sound impressive, and he lives for art. He lives for his painting. The truth is, any, any, any good photographer can produce a better painting than the best artist today. Let's be practical about it and stop, stop bluffing ourselves. The whole business of painting should be dead. For a thinking person, it's already out of style. Painting was valuable before you had cameras. But today, with color photo- photography, painting is as dead as a doornail. It's only the affection, the showing off, the bluff of art that still remains the, exi- the, the existence of the corpse. But it can't be deader than it is. And people sooner or later will discover it. What's the point of his scribbling? If he's trying to compete with a good camera, he'll never succeed. So instead, of he, instead he tries something else. He goes off and makes crazy dots and dashes. And he smears a brush over the canvas and he sells it for $10,000 to some foolish nouveau riche who wants to adorn his house with something he doesn't understand. If you ask him what it is, what's it a picture of? So he'll tell you, that it's springtime in Afghanistan. He says it with a straight face, and his befuddled guests, his befuddled guests are standing in front of that thing, saying, ooh, and ah. Do you see over there, he says? You see that line sticking out? That's the tail of the tiger hiding in the bush. It's no tail. The painter, by accident, rubbed his finger on the canvas, so they imagine it's a tiger tail. The same is with everything else. Here's a man that tells me he's studying music, music appreciation. What do you have to learn to appreciate music for? Oh, you say music is from the seven hechalos. Music is one of the heavens. Look, I'll tell you the way it is. If it's used for avoid Hashem, certainly it's good. 
The Levim, after all, used music in the Beis HaMikdash. The Kuzari says that the Mikdash is where music had its place. But today's music has been degraded and it's primarily utilized for romance and litzonus, for ishes. And so, when you pass a music store and you hear the sounds inside, you should think it's a crazy house. And the people that patronize it are lunatics. To make an ideal from music, it's a mishugas. The mitzvah of v'hirshu et arasha means that we must enlighten our families and our neighbors, and most important, to enlighten ourselves about the foolishness and the evil in the outside world. And we, the handful who have been privileged to walk, be'or Hashem, we're the lucky ones. Behold, the darkness covers the world, and a thick cloud covers the nations. But on you, Hashem has given His brilliance, and His glory is visible visible upon you. There's no such thing as people outside of the Amish, of, of the Amasham that walk in the light of the truth. Now, I don't care what you people will think. If you don't understand this, if you want to quibble about it, so you should know that you're lacking in one of the most fundamental truths of the Torah, that the world was made for one righteous nation, and that's us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu waited until one nation came forward and claimed that role. Anybody could have done it, but our forefathers chose it. And now we are the righteous nation until the end of time. We are the center of the stage and everything else in the world is just scenery for the Am Yisrael. The world stands on, on the righteousness of the Jewish people. That's a fundamental truth that is constantly reiterated in the Tanakh. And means that at least among ourselves we have to advertise this truth. Spread the word. Talk about Sadiqim. All of them in your home. Praise Sadiqim. Praise the from Jews. There's so much to be said for them. All the from Jews. And of course, we have to downplay the outside world and talk about how ridiculous they are and how wicked the world is. Everybody outside of the Oilam Atoida is depraved. They've fallen into ways of wickedness. Some more, some less. But without Torah ideals, there can't be true good. And therefore, if we want to fulfill our function in this world, one of our main purposes is tzadik, justify what really is just, and condemn the wickedness. And by spending our days fulfilling the ideal of this Pasuk, we bring the light of the Torah into our own minds and the minds of those around us. And Rabbeinu Yonah says that if you do this, then by doing this, by merely preparing your thoughts, and utilizing your words for the cause of praising the true good in this world, then without any effort and work of your hand, you will acquire merits without end. Because this is one of the most important purposes of the creation of man. Have a wonderful Shabbos.